Easy Peeper Deeps and welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Feeling Fine podcast and thank you for joining me. I hope this episode finds you all in good health and high spirits and if not then maybe this is the podcast that's going to change that. Um, if you were tuned in uh, or if you were looking for uh, my Fine on Friday podcast this week, there wasn't one. Basically, I, um, I completely overlooked the, uh, my, um, uh, my idea of doing it on Friday. Uh, and if I'm to be totally honest with you, I had a pretty strange week pretty strange week which kind of leads me into uh, this the topic of this this sort of conversation and uh, the title of this week's episode which I have called what is depression what is depression now you know, I saw a, a little video clip the other day while I was on Instagram, and uh, it was Jim Carrey. And obviously, a lot of people will be familiar with uh, Jim Carrey and his sort of antics over the last few years. Uh, and basically, you know, it's it's kind of well documented that he became quite spiritual, and. Um, uh, and a bit of a recluse by all accounts, uh, focusing on art and channeling his energy in certain ways and stuff. Uh, and he had quite a few sort of uh, realizations with regards to who he is, his, his identity, and so on. Anyway, this clip that I saw, uh, basically, uh, I don't remember exactly what he said word for word, but in this clip, uh, he basically says that depression, depression is like, to some extent, uh, you know, how I sort of interpret what he was saying, it's, it's a necessity. And when you look at the word depression, it means deep rest. This is how he kind of looks at the word. And it's interesting that he, he put it across like this because it's something I do with a lot of words kind of break them down and, and kind of see a, a completely different meaning. But anyway, deep rest. And basically what he says in his video, or he goes on to say that it's, the it's a time when your body is basically like saying, that's it, you know, we've had enough of this. We can't carry on like this. It's time to take a, a, a deep rest, a deep rest from this this act uh, and you know with obviously with a view of rejuvenation and you know you could call it rebirth so he he breaks the word depression down as meaning deep rest and it's a time to pay attention to your body what's your body saying to you so with depression and you know and I will say the same goes for any um, 
any mental health related issue or any mind related issue. These are things that in truth, we should all question. We should all question deeply. And the problem, the problem is, or, you know, the reason why I see that we don't question these things deeply is because we have, it, it's kind of bizarre. It is kind of bizarre when you look at, you know, this whole social structure, it's, it was never intended or, you know, as it appears, it was never intended to be for the betterment of the individual. It was never in intended to be something that, uh, uh, to assist people on uh, being their best, achieving their best, and realizing their fullest potential. More than anything, it appears to be something that uh, has been designed to just kind of burden people. So it's almost like, uh, you you know, you start school at, at four years old or whatever it is, they go to preschool, nursery, whatever you call it, in whatever part of your world, the world you're in. Oh, by the way, I just want to say, um, uh, my, uh, I have listeners in the US, I have listeners in Russia, in Australia, Japan. So obviously I'm reaching out to different corners of the world. So wherever you're listening, uh, wherever you are listening to this podcast, uh, hello, thank you for joining me. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. So anyway, whatever part of the world that you're in, you know, whether you call it nursery or whether you call it preschool, kindergarten, I think is something that they use in, in America. Uh, but wherever you are, so we start school at probably about three, three and a half to four years old. We start education. And it's like from the moment we enter this structure, we are being monitored in a way as if, you know, to, to see where we fit within the system, within this setup. So this is like, the, the first part or the first point where society uh, involves itself in our lives. Uh, you know, society, when I'm speaking about society, I'm speaking about the world outside of the home. It's the first point where, we, where society involves itself in our, in our lives. And we go to school, we go through this system, this structure, and then we are divided into, you know, according to our skill set or our abilities, our sort of awareness and, and how, how well we can grasp the whole learning process as it is structured. So uh, from a very young age, we are, uh, we have this idea of, uh, you know, our capabilities being of the utmost importance, but that our capabilities, it, it, it's limited to what the educational system uh, decides is uh, regarded as like a skill or a, 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 a strength or a weakness. So, you know, and I, I, I touched on this to some extent in another podcast. If, 
if at four years old you 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 clearly have an eye for music or you clearly have an eye for art or something like this and it it does happen in some cases if it's clearly obvious that you have an eye for something you have attention for something in particular some kind of art or it could even be a sport or anything you know it's not something that is focused on so instead of that being like the the the, the key focus of your abilities it almost gets pushed to the back burner as society says, right, these have to be your key focuses first. You have to be able to do these before you can do anything else. And then we have things like, um, you know, some people that might be colorblind or might have, that might be dyslexic and all of these other kind of, um, you know, I'll call them different abilities. It just means that you are able to see things in a completely different way to other people. So I won't call it a disability, I'll call it a different ability. So people have all these different abilities, but the educational structure is such that you have to be able to do everything this way. This is how you have to do it. If you can't do it like this, there's something wrong with you. Now, uh, again, the way that I look at this whole structure is if you... Um, I've known people that have been diagnosed, I think is probably the right word, diagnosed with uh, ADHD uh, or attention deficiency disorder or whatever. And I've known and had, you know, full-on conversations with people that have, have been diagnosed with this. And, you know, it's not something... And um, um, on most of the occasions when I've spoken to people like this, and you know, about this, they've told me, you know, they've basically told me that this is their disorder and so on and so on. But then we've had a conversation, and, and I do remember one conversation I had with one lad. Uh, well, I say lad, he was probably a little bit younger than me. But uh, we had this conversation and, and I said to him, I says, you know, I don't understand all this attention deficiency disorder stuff. I says, because, you know, we've been speaking and we were literally speaking for about an hour. I says, the whole time that we've been speaking, I've not, I can honestly say that I, I don't see you or our conversation as any different to how I've, I converse with everybody else. And, you know, if you are... are uh, uh, so what I was saying is I, I've, I see this whole attention deficiency thing as being some children, they need more than what the whole structure of education offers them. They need something more. Basically, let's be honest, if you go to school, you know, as children we go to school and we go to nursery and all of this kind of stuff, and it's a point where... You can no longer be a child anymore. Or rather, the child that you are has to be within given parameters. So now the authority, the education system, or call it the education authority, I'll call it the authority, 
Now this authority is telling you how you have to be as a child, how you have to be as ultimately as a person. So we go through all of this system and all of this structure. And so it's like from the moment that we enter this, 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 this system, we are burdened. It's like society is saying, right, here, stick this in your bag and carry this around with you for the rest of your school life uh, or even potentially for the rest of your life. So, you know, constantly, every time you go to school, this, this educational system is dumping more and more stuff into this backpack that you're carrying. You've got to carry this with you. You've got to carry this with you. You've got to carry this with you. And then if, you know, by the time you finish your full-time education, 11, 12 years later or whatever, uh, and uh, if you're still standing, and not everybody makes it through this system, not everybody does. And, you know, it's purely because, like I say, you know, we can, we we kind of ignorantly look at it as being a one-size-fits-all, but it doesn't, doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And if... You know, if you try to squeeze into something that doesn't fit you, then sooner or later, it's going to become so uncomfortable that it's going to break you you're, or you're going to want to break it. So this is the, the structure that we have. We have all of this put into place. And throughout the whole structure of education, we are never, and this is what kind of, this is kind of what, what, what gets to me. Throughout the whole system and structure of education, as I recall going to school, there was never anything related to um, mind, mental health matters, or anything related to how we process, how we, um, how how our cognitive behaviour works, and and this kind of this level of intelligence, and and you know even. Through the whole studying process, we learn all of this stuff, but there was never anything that focused on how, you know, our ability to learn or anything like this. But then as soon as we leave school, then all of a sudden we start to learn all about this mental health and blah, 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 blah. We're getting it thrown at us from all kinds of angles. So what doesn't make sense is how we can have a whole education process, and maybe it's different for kids nowadays, maybe it is, but uh, the chances are, and please, if anybody out there that's, that's listening is in full-time education or whatever, or going to college or anything like that, you know, hit me up, let me know, let's have a conversation about it. But the chances are, it still works uh, and functions along similar lines to what it did when I was at school, sort of <clears throat> years ago. <laughs> I don't need to be coy about it. It was about 35 years when I left school. And um, so it doesn't, you know, it, it, it probably works and functions along very similar lines as it did back then, that you get through the whole schooling process, but then when you leave school, that's the point when you actually start to learn about life. That's the point when you actually start to learn about life and what really, what truly matters to you. But then, because we don't, 
you know, through the, through the whole education process. So we're talking 12 years of our, the most fundamental years of our life, we give to this system, right? We give to this system. And throughout this whole period, we never truly look into what makes us who we are. We never truly look into this dimension of our true nature, of our true nature. We never look into the, the mind and how the mind functions. And okay, it, it might be said that, you know, everything that we learn about at school, it's all directed towards the physical nature of our existence. The physical. So everything we learn about is what you can physically see, uh, what you can, you know, tangible. It's all tangible. So obviously when we're speaking about matters of the mind, it's intangible. You can't touch somebody else's mind. You Well, you can implant things <laughs> into somebody else's mind, but you can't physically touch it is what I'm trying to say. So obviously it's it's kind of intangible. But then at the same time, you know, we do have religion and all of this kind of stuff. We do speak about, uh, uh, you know, and obviously all different religions now are brought into the educational kind of curriculum sort of thing. So we have this sort of part of learning, but we don't touch on the what makes us who we are. And ultimately, our minds, our mind is the most fundamental aspect right the most fundamental aspect so it truly does stand out now and it truly stands to reason that we are fearful of our minds we're fearful of our minds because we spend the most important years of our lives avoiding it we spend the, the most important years of our lives avoiding it so what we have is we go to school and as, as infants you we're in situations where you know, I was one of these people that if I walked, if I was in a supermarket or whatever and um, and I saw a parent with a child and the child was kicking off, throwing a tantrum, proper kicking off, you know, and it's not uncommon, it's not uncommon. Uh, and, and I'd be, I, at one point, I would have been one of these people, I mean, get your kids under control, man. Fix up your kids, man. What are you letting them going on like this for, you know? And all of this kind of stuff. So I was one of those people. But then I had kids. <laughs> and, you know, it, it kind of changed everything. That was the game changer. But then it wasn't. that wasn't the only thing that kind of changed the way I looked at the situation. So... You know, the other thing that I started to really pay attention to is, you know, the things that I started to question, and I question all kinds of stuff, is what is it that makes a child throw a tantrum? Why do kids tantrum, man? What's that all about? And, um, you know, this 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 what I realised, is a child only throws a tantrum because it's their way of expression. It's their way of expressing their frustration at not understanding a situation. So, so now, if I see a child kicking off and I see the parent, obviously, when you're in that situation, you're in public, you know, I know at one point I didn't know how to deal with it. 
it got to the point where if any of my kids were kicking off in public, I would just leave them to it. And you have to shut out the rest of the world. You completely have to shut out what, what anybody else might be thinking because you'll get the looks, you'll get people looking at you in a way and all this kind of crap, but you have to shut out the world. So this is what I would do. I'll, it might be in the middle of a supermarket or whatever, and one of my kids might decide that now is the time to, to air their frustration. And so they they kick off in whatever way. And I would just let them get on with it. Sometimes I'd just carry on walking. I'd keep an eye on them, make sure that, you know, I could. they were always in eyeshot or whatever. But I would just leave them to it. Because then it's like... I realised that if I tried to challenge them while they were in this frustrated state, this frustrated state of mind, then I would probably fuel that frustration. And it could well have fueled my own frustration. Now I'm in the middle of a supermarket, my kid's kicking off, all I want to do is look for the beans or whatever, uh, and now everybody's looking at me. So um, I, would, I, I started to leave them to it. Uh, but at the same time, I'd keep an eye on them. I'd keep trying to bring them up, you know, come on, let's go, and trying to keep them sort of um, with me. But I, I would stop trying to, uh, or should I say, I stopped trying to prevent them from being frustrated. So basically, a child throws a tantrum because they are frustrated at the fact that they think, they may think, basically, that they are being misunderstood or, ultimately, they don't understand. So uh, once I started to see it like this, and now it's a completely different story, if I see somebody with a child and the child's throwing a tantrum, okay, it's not something that you can just go up to the child and, and try and console them. It's somebody else's child and all of this kind of stuff. But I understand. And, you know, even the parent who might, you can see often the parent's face, they're struggling and all that kind of stuff. I understand, I get it. And, you know, it's one of these things that I hope more people can do because it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy world that we live in. Uh, you know, I know I mentioned in, in my previous podcast about, you know, we burden ourselves now in ways that, you know, at one point we would have been hunter-gatherers and stuff. Uh, so our threats to our life were physical, physically real. You know, man-eating animals and stuff that might want to um, snatch us up while we're walking through the bush or whatever. Um but we don't have that now. So uh, we have kind of turned our present situation in a way into something that we have to be fearful of. And, <clears throat> and you know, that fear, it, origi it originates in the mind. So we have become fearful of the mind because we have not been, we've not really been introduced to the mind. We've not really been shown the mind in a way that uh, gives us even a little bit of understanding. So this kind of goes a long way to explaining why you might have a nightmare. You go to sleep at night and then you wake up sweating, you, you, you jump up out of a nightmare. Uh, and... The whole process leaves you shook. 
Uh, and in some cases, you might you might even be afraid to go back to sleep. But again, this it's all happening in the mind. The whole experience of your dreams and your nightmares is all happening in the mind. So we are only fearful of our imagination. Uh, just like children, as infants, as, as babies, as young children, when they are afraid of the dark, it's just their imagination. It might have been something that was put into their imagination, not intentionally or deliberately, just something that they acknowledged in a way that triggered this kind of traumatic response and registered it in this, in this certain way. Just like phobias and stuff, people who have phobias of spiders. And, you know, again, uh, uh, spider phobia was something that I've seen grown men literally climb up walls because there's a money spider um, sort of crawling up, the, <laughs> crawling across the floor or whatever. And although it kind of sounds funny, uh, and to some extent it, it might well be funny, but the reality of the situation is if you are that person in that situation that feels like you've got to climb the wall because there's a money spider on the floor. This is because there's something in your mind that, that is stored in your mind that is causing you to experience this every time you see the spider. So I'm going full circle now, back to the whole topic of this, what is depression? And the reason why I've gone all the way around all of that is because my point being, we don't question these things because we are not educated in a way to to look at these things. So more than anything, because we haven't been sort of uh, uh, given the approach to understanding at a very young age, at the, the, the key age or the key stages of our kind of our education, because it was not there then, it's like all of a sudden we are, or, or during that process of education, this, the mind is developing. It's recording things. It's taking all of this information on board. It's recording your emotions. It's caught recording your reactions, your responses, your, you know, the, the, through pleasurable situations, painful situations, and so on and so on. It's recording all of this. This is what your mind's doing. But again, we don't pay attention to the mind. We don't pay attention to any of these processes. It just it is just literally left to do whatever it's going to do. Then we reach this point where we're ready to leave school or whatever. Uh, and suddenly, mental health becomes a priority. You know, suddenly we, we, we kind of start seeing all this about mental health everywhere. Um, but there's nothing prior to that. It's, I suppose it's in, in a lot of ways, it's like everything or many things, you know, when it comes to the education process. You go through the whole school experience and then you leave school and suddenly you've got to start figuring out how to get a mortgage and, or you've got to start budgeting your everyday life and, um, or you've got to even figure out how to catch a bus. <laughs> you know, I had to catch a bus the other week. Um... I had to catch a train and then a bus. 
And I think, uh, well, when I spoke in my last podcast, I, I quit my job. Uh, so I had to revert, return a vehicle, which left me sort of kind of stranded. Uh, so I had to catch a train and then a bus. So the idea was I catch the train to, um, to Mansfield and then get a bus to home where I live. But then the train broke down. <laughs> the train broke down. After five minutes of being on this train, it broke down. And, um, and I had to, uh, and the, the, the bloke comes over, the, you know, the man. Is it the, the train driver or whatever? I don't know. But anyway, this voice comes over. Uh, unfortunately, this train's broke down. And um, you can either, well, the first option was you can either um, stay at this stop, which was literally like in the middle of nowhere. There was tumbleweeds blowing across the train lines and all sorts. You can either stay at this stop or we can take you back to Nottingham so where the train's going to get looked at or whatever's wrong with it is going to get fixed up. We will be going back to Nottingham, in which case you can come back to Nottingham with the train and obviously work out where you're going from there. So anyway, I decided to get off the train at this stop. And um, I can't remember where it was now. Newstead, Newstead Village. And uh, I've never been to this train station in Newstead Village before, but basically there was, it just looked like it was in the middle of nowhere. I was in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and the next train was about half an hour. And it was freezing. It was freezing cold, cold wind, basically. It weren't just the coldness, but it was the, the wind that was driving it. Uh, and then uh, it was raining a little bit as well. So it weren't uh, the best conditions to be stood there waiting for a train. So I thought, right, OK, sorry, I'm going to go for a walk. Left the train station, I went for a wander. And I was walking for about 10 minutes before I started to see any signs of civilization. And um, anyway, then I saw a bus stop, which when I checked the bus stop out, it was uh, the signs where it were for going to Nottingham. So I figured, right, well, okay, that means the bus that I want is going to be on the opposite side of the road going in the other direction. So I carried on walking. Lo and behold, I saw a bus. Now, this whole situation, this whole sort of experience, uh, the oh, I should say the bus, after about an hour, got me to the first sort of bus terminal, which is in Sutton, the one I needed. And then from there, uh, I could have walked home, but because of the wind and the rain, I thought, OK, I'm just going to get another bus. So I had to wait about 20 minutes for another bus. And... Um, but the, the, the bus timetable, so I'm looking at the bus timetable and I'm like trying to figure out, how, where, where's my bus, man? Where's the, where's the timetable? What's happened here? I, can't, I couldn't make any head and a tail out of this timetable. But, you know, <laughs> eventually I must have asked about seven people uh, and it, it, we came to the conclusion that the chances are the bus that I needed was coming to this stop at this time. So I waited there and lo and behold, the bus turned up. But even simple things like this, you know, if you live in a certain town, uh, to be able to navigate around your town, 
you know, to be able to know what streets follow from your streets and which streets take you to the nearest town centre or to the bus station or the train station or anything like this. You know, this kind of information that will actually benefit you the moment that you leave school. Okay, you're going to be leaving school uh, in a year or six months or whatever. The chances are you're going to need to catch public transport and stuff. So here's a bus stop. This is what you do when you get to the bus stop. This is how you read a timetable, blah, 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 blah. If you need to get a train, da, 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 da. all of this information, we don't get any of it. So all of this we have to find out. The things that, that truly benefit us, we have to find out for ourselves. And the moment we leave school, all of this is in our faces. It's in your face. Bus, train, uh, you need to travel to get to this, to get from A to B. If you're going to college, you're going to work or whatever, you've got to figure out all of these things. Uh, if you, when you start your job, right, you've got to have a bank account. You need to figure out how to get a bank account. You've got to get ID. You've got to blah, 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 blah. If you want to get drive a car or whatever, you've got to get a license. You need this to get a license. You need that to get a license. Blah, 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 blah. All of these things that we need when, uh, for our lives, when we, after we've left school, but we don't learn any of this information at school. And again, coming back to the whole mental health thing, this is the same thing. Anything that we need on a personal level or we are going to need on a personal level, we don't actually learn about it in the full 11, 12 years when we're at school. So again, with the mind and the mental health thing. So now we, we are at a point where we arrive at a point where we can freely say, I've got this issue, I've got that issue, I've got the other issue. But how many times do you actually, or have you, if, if at all, have you actually sat there and said to yourself, what is depression? What is it? Have you actually sat there and gone into it? You know, when I say go into it, if you are... So, um, I'm again, coming back full circle to what I started this whole dialect, dialogue with. So, last week, I missed my Friday, Fine on Friday podcast. My, my mind was a bit scattered last week. And um, it was... Uh, and in this kind of scattering, I suppose, I, I, I didn't feel like myself i didn't feel like the, the the kind of motivation you know for the past few weeks or whatever i've been sort of sticking to this plan of you know normally getting up around four o'clock in the morning somewhere like between four and five i'll do my meditation i'll do yoga i've started having cold showers and so on and so on but this week something hit me and i know you know last I had some weed. I got some weed. I was smoking some weed. I haven't smoked weed for a long time. And and it was probably the weed and, and the whole mind baggage that comes with it. Or certainly I'm speaking from, uh, from my own experience here. If you smoke weed and so you might have completely different experiences to me. But it, the whole feeling, the, the heaviness that it gave to me and stuff, it really knocked me out of sync. Now, I didn't, the whole week wasn't a complete write-off. I, you know, normally when 
I, you know, if ever I feel like this, it kind of brings about a bit of creativity in me. So I find a way to channel my, you know, my energy in other ways. But when I look at it, it was like, it's like the, there was depression in my mind and in my body. So I felt the heaviness physically and mentally. But how I kind of perceive this whole depression thing and, and you know, issues like this is, I suppose for me, uh, I refer to it as being spiritual depression. And what I mean by that is I don't identify with it. I don't identify with the mental bullshit. I don't identify with the physical stuff, right? Okay, so I allowed myself to go through this and I, uh, I found other ways of, of, of carrying on. Okay, so I, I kind of focused my art in other ways and I was being artistic. I'm not going to share any more than that with you right now, but I was finding a way to just be artistic with myself. And, uh, but at the same time, I felt the mental burden. I felt the physical burden. Now, the reason why I say, you know, have you questioned? You know, that's my question to you. Have you questioned mental health? Because most people, you know, it, chances are, if, if you ask most people what mental health is, they'll say, oh, well, it's when. And they'll tell you what we are basically told depression is. But, you know, depression to me, and this one I'm speaking through my experience of it, so, and again, it's one of these things that if you think or feel differently about it, you know, by all means, let's talk about it. Uh, but depression, my experience of it, it's like you have a thought. Now, your thoughts and your emotions, are they are linked. This is like the, the, the connection or the link, if you like, between your mind and your body. Thought or should I say emotion, is the physical element of thought. Now, some thoughts, or should I say, the more you become aware, the less your thoughts will trigger emotions. But when there is a lack of this awareness, any random thought that goes through your mind that kind of hooks your attention, even if it's only for a split second, will trigger uh, uh, emotion. Basically, it will trigger emotion. And when you get this trigger of emotion, this brings about the feeling. So now you've had the emotion, now you feel. You physically feel something in your body. If it's sad emotion, or if it's a sad or depressive thought, then your whole body will start to feel heavier. You know, when you have happy and cheerful and, you know, fun-filled thoughts, you feel light, you feel the energy, you feel you feel the laughter, you feel the, the joy, you feel it all within you. If you have dark and depressive thoughts, 
then you feel the heaviness, you feel the weight, you feel like you can't move, you feel like there's no desire to, to function in this world, at least for the time being. So you have the, we have this process, you have the thought, past related incident or experience or whatever, that's, that basically remains unresolved or maybe to a large extent remains unresolved. And this is why it's able to hook your emotions. This is how it hooks your emotions. So you have this thought. You uh, notice the thought. You then, uh, your attention then triggers the emotion, the physical element of the thought. Now your whole body experiences this emotion. But then how the mind works, the mind is always analyzing, it's always looking, you know, we have, this is one of the things that we're educated to do. We're educated to be problem solvers, but the only problems that we are educated to solve are problems that have been manufactured, you know, uh, or, you know, it's like you get, you buy a wardrobe from Ikea. And, you know, all of a sudden your mind kicks in. Oh, great. I've got a problem to solve here. Or certainly me. I'm not looking at instructions. I'm going to see if I can figure it out myself until I might lose something or break something. But some people, oh, too much. I can't do this. I can't bear it. I need somebody to do it for me. So this is how we've been taught to use our minds. Some people love problem solving. Some people don't. So now your mind, your analytical mind kicks in. So even though it was a thought in the mind that you became aware of or you, you gave your attention to, triggers the emotion, your body fills with this emotion, suddenly you feel heavy. Now your mind looks at the body as if to say, why do I feel like this? Why do I feel like this? What's wrong with me? So it completely dismisses. You know, the mind doesn't know. The mind doesn't know. The mind is just doing what the mind does. And we develop this mindset in our infant years when we aren't truly aware of anything of what we're doing. You know, so we're going through this whole education process, being distracted from what our minds are doing. We're not given any guidance towards uh, how to use our minds and, and how our minds function. So we carry on in this way. We construct our whole mindset when we are kids, basically. Then we get to this period of leaving school and stuff. We have all of this baggage that we've racked up and we've stacked up and we're carrying now because as children, we were never taught how to put the bags down. So we've got it all. Some people carry more baggage than others. It's not their fault. It's nobody's fault that we have this, that we, 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 we reach this point where people are suffering like this with all of this mental turmoil. It's nobody's fault. If you have anxiety, panic, depression, um, any of these other mind-related issues, it's not your fault. Okay, it's not your fault. But at the same time, I'm not about to start proportioning blame. Yes, we do have an education system that doesn't really benefit us. But that's not to say that it, you know, that's not to say that it's wrong. That's not to say that it shouldn't be this way. That's not to say that, uh, um, you know, I'm not the one that's going to stand here and say that, 
uh, um, it's wrong and it shouldn't happen. What I am going to say is that the way that it functions, it, it has its benefits, it has its merits, but to a large extent, it needs fixing up. It needs fixing up. And so we have this situation, we leave school, we, we rack up all this baggage as, as children, as infants, and then we grow up, our physical bodies grow, but mentally we remain stuck in this sort of childlike mindset. So this whole process happens, it goes through our minds. We have this unresolved issue that, that appears to us as a thought, and that thought hooks our attention. Once our attention's hooked, then we experience the emotion the physical element of the thought, it floods through the body. Then the mind, the analytical mind, kicks in again. Why do I feel like this? What's wrong with me? There's something wrong. I don't feel good. I feel low. I feel lousy. I feel terrible. I feel shit. I don't want to do anything today. I can't be asked. All of this kind of nonsense starts to come from you because your mind is analysing how you feel and it's dictating what you should do next and so all of this process it happens it goes on within us and we allow it to happen we get dragged along by it basically because in our minds there's nothing else we can do there's nothing else we can do and anything that we try to do just seems like uh, um, too much of a challenge too much hard work oh you know, I feel so low, I really can't, I feel so, I can't be, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. So we just do what's easiest. We just do what's easiest. And that's what happened to me last week. I just did what was easiest. But I suppose the blessing in me doing what was easiest was I found a way to channel. I found a way to channel that energy and be creative. So, um... So this is the process that we follow. And before we know it, the original trigger for this feeling low, this kind of depressive mood swing and this, this state of mind is forgotten. Now, the whole, the mind now is focused on the feeling. And we'll go through the whole day analyzing, how do I feel? Do I still feel depressed? Do I feel? And, and realistically, it's like we're looking for the, the 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 low feeling we're looking for the depression we're looking for that low mood that low energy when in reality we uh, we we have to make choices we have to make choices and you know none of us are in this life for it to be easy none of us are in this life for it to be easy and and it, <laughs> this is the paradox the only way that you are going to know that your life is easy is if you have had it fucking hard. <laughs> you will never truly know what it is to have an easy life until you've experienced hardship. So we have to go through the hardship to experience the ease. So this whole depressive episode so this is how it was for me i went through the motions i went through the motions i did apply myself to being artistic i channeled what energy i i had into being creative and every day i monitor my my actions my behaviors this is what i call spiritual depression because now i look from a different it's like a diff, i have a different view
I don't associate myself with, you know, or I'll rephrase that. Sometimes I'll get hooked. Sometimes my mind will hook me and drag me through this whole cycle. But then I might be halfway through the cycle and then realize actually that, yeah, it got me. Um, but it, it's like, okay, I'll just allow it to pass. I'll allow it to pass. And then, uh, so in this allowing, I'm not resisting it. You know, I have acknowledged that there's a thought uh, or maybe a stream of thought that's hooked my attention. I've allowed it to drag me along with it and the emotional, the whole emotional experience. I allowed it to pull me down kind of thing. But now I see it for what it is. It's like shining a light onto the darkness. Now I see it for what it is. I can't be that anymore. I can no longer be that. And what I mean by saying that is, I'm not going to say I am depressed. These words, I'm not going to say that and be committed to saying that. Yeah, okay, I just said it now as an, it's just a state of an example. But I won't say it as an identification. If somebody was to ask me, Pete, how are you doing? I'm not going to say, oh, I've been really depressed. I am depressed. I won't say that because I know that that's not my truth. It might be the experience of my body. It might be the, the motion of my mind. But it's not me. It's not me. I experience this through my body. I experience this through my mind. But it's not me. I am not depressed. I am not depression. My body is experiencing depression. My mind is going through a depressive, uh, or might be going through a depressive um, sort of cycle, but I am not depressed. And I think this is one of the fundamental things that we have to learn about how we speak about ourselves. Some of you might be familiar with the idea of, of making, of, you know, speaking positive affirmations and so on and so forth. Well, if you can understand that how you speak about yourself on a daily basis and how you introduce yourself on a daily basis, you are actually declaring your identity. You are basically saying, this is who I am. So if the words, such words as I am depressed, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a, a drug addict, I am whatever, 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 whatever. If such words should come out of your mouth, right? And you know, you speak these words with sincerity. The question then remains, how can you not be something that you are constantly declaring yourself to be. On that note, I am going to sign out. And again, for anybody that listens around the world, uh, it's all love. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for any, everybody that's listened to all of my episodes so far. Don't forget, tell your friends and anybody else, share this. Uh, it's available on Apple, Apple Music. It's available on Google, uh, Amazon, Audible, Podbean, and all so many other podcast uh, broadcasters. 
just search for Feeling Fine Podcast and you'll see a picture of me. Click on there and you'll see all of my episodes. So until Friday, you will catch me and my Fine on Friday skit next week. Until then, have a blessed week. Peace.